Books where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week's book, The Little Boy Inside and Other Stories by Glenn Gray. Um, who recommended this to us, Rob? Like everybody. Like everybody. So I figured uh, we had to do it, or we figured we had to do it. And, and lo and behold, we did. And uh, here it is. A little bit about Glenn Gray. Glenn is renowned among noir writers and readers for his powerful stories, which have appeared in a wide range of print and online publications and anthologies. He is at work on his first novel. Beyond his writing career, Glenn is a practicing physician specializing in radiology. He lives in New York with his wife and three daughters. Were you at all surprised that he uh, he works in uh, in the medical field? No, having yeah, I've read the stories, not in the mm-hmm. least. Can I also say, um, do you think he does enough stuff with his life? Um, yeah, yeah. You're I guess he does, yeah. A doctor with a wife and three kids, mm-hmm. and you write stories. That seems like a lot of work, dude. It does, and that's why we're neither doctors nor people who write a lot of stories. That's true. And you I have, take the easy way out. I don't even have a wife and three kids. This is true. Yeah. It's exhausting just reading books. I don't know how you write them. <laughs> <laughs> no <All> kidding. Right. <laughs> A little bit about the book. What men do to their bodies and what their bodies do to them. That's the subject of this visceral debut story collection from Glenn Gray, who brings his singular voice to an unholy genre all his own. In these 17 remarkable stories, bodies harbor secrets, slough off the past, and morph in grotesque, absurd ways. Doctors are required to do no harm, but not writers like Glenn Gray. His characters, doctors, and patients, bodybuilders and drug dealers, take up a permanent residence in our imaginations, leaving us amazed, damaged, and transformed forever. Body horror. That's all I could think while I was reading this, that this is this is a genre of body horror. <laughs> it's so weird trying to explain to people I work with what I read. I, yeah, isn't it though? I run into the same thing. <laughs> like going from, oh, it's a serial killer who has his victims delivered to him to, um, like... Anatomy horror, body noir, like yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no genre for this. It's weird. Wait until you try to explain S to somebody, because I had to do that today. S, but it's a whole new conversation. It is. We should uh, have that another time. Yeah. All right. So, In typical booked fashion, um, Rob and I each have selected um, three stories that are you know standout stories uh, for one reason or another, not necessarily our favorites or you know, but they're they're three stories that we each want to talk about. So, uh, Rob, would you like to kick it off with the the first one you have? Yeah, I'm just going to hit the ground running with uh, my first story. is called Expulsion. Now, this is to give you a good example of just how graphic um, and you know, messed up. His stories can be. They're not. They aren't necessarily all that way. But uh, expulsion essentially starts out with a gentleman on the toilet uh, taking a crap, <laughs> and it's a particularly difficult one. So he's actually like massaging his body to try and get it to like to try and work it out, um, and it ends up being a very painful, uh, long process for for this to to come out. 
And um, after it's out, and he's kind of like relaxing, um, he hears splashing in the toilet. And uh, he was kind of confused because he didn't think that more was coming out, so he didn't know what the splashing was coming from. He heard it a couple more times, so he gets up and looks, and it's actually like a foot-long eel-like creature. Um, from there, things actually just get weirder and worse. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the things I enjoyed about this story were, um, I don't know, he just managed somehow to capture like all of the horror <laughs> that you could possibly imagine going into sitting down at the toilet. And, and it's just like, it's described in a way that everybody can identify with because at one point or another, everybody's been in a difficult potty situation. <laughs> so, um, I just dug it a lot and, uh, I don't know. And I'm typically at the, one of the things that I talk about the least is bodily functions and things that come out of bodies and stuff. Cause it's just not my thing. I don't care for it. But the way this dude wrote the story was just like. He just took, you know, he took something that everybody does and made it in just like the weirdest, most like creepy, frightening thing you can imagine. Um, For reasons that should become obvious to listeners, um, over the last two minutes, I didn't choose expulsion as a story, so I didn't have to try and explain it. But you did a very good job. I'm I'm very impressed. I was like, how do I even talk about this story? (laughs) Um, I will say that some of these stories were a little educational. And the beginning of expulsion starts with this guy, um, you know, he's, he's, but he, he has like methods, right? Like there are things yeah. you can do to make this this um, this passing easier. And I was fairly impressed. I was like, I never really thought about any of that. So it's it's a it's kind of like a how to book that goes horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. And now it actually kind of not that this is the first story, but it introduces what's a theme throughout introduces in our review. What's a, a theme throughout pretty much all the stories where. Someone in the story typically is a doctor, and in this case, the protagonist is. So, I think a lot of his techniques, his poop massaging techniques, I'm going to call them, mm. um, <laughs> come from the fact that he's a physician and he's gone through, like, he understands the way that the body moves and how things travel through you. Um, so, I think that's where that comes from. Um, and then, as things get weirder, he kind of reaches out to some of his, like, doctor buddies who are in, like, the gastrointestinal field to help him out. Yeah, uh, definitely a story that um, I, I think it'll be a long time before I um, I, I forget the, the story expulsion. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> I just every <laughs> just and we'll get to some quotes later. And I, I have a quote from this story, but just the thought that something that came out of me might be looking at me. <laughs> so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> In keeping with that theme, I'm going to move on to, uh, I'm going to take my stories a little bit out of order, but um, Diary of a Scut Monkey, um, it's, I, I believe it's the longest story in this, um, mm-hmm. in this collection, and it's basically the, um, it's kind of like Grey's Anatomy gone wrong. It's like a year, it's from a journal, it's a year in the life of a, a first year med intern, am I saying that right? Is that, mm-hmm. that's on, yeah, so... So basically, he's kind of doing these rotations in different uh, different departments in the hospital. And in some cases, it's some really horrifying things that happen. Um, in some, it's just kind of little life lessons that that, uh, that our protagonist learns. But uh, <clears throat> I also have a quote. I'm not going to wait till the quote section. I'm going to throw down on this now. There's another incident that involves uh, fecal matter. 
So if you're eating your lunch, go ahead and put it down for for the for the duration of the rest of this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't do press say, pause. Like, actually, just stop eating. Yeah, just stop eating because it's just not going to happen for you today. So, um, I'm going to set this up a little bit. It's 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 one of the first sections in this in this story. So it's early on in his internship. He um, has an older woman who's who's having trouble <laughs> who's having trouble defecating. Um, I, I really wanted to read like a full page and a half of this, so I, I'm I'm going to kind of pick and choose here a little bit. So. Uh, he now has uh, started to release some of the uh, feces from this woman. Another chunk, then another. Plick, plop, poop, flink. I'm making headway now with two gloved fingers gliding ever so slightly into the rectum. A slight groan from above and then a solid meaty chunk falls <laughs> to the sheet. My fingers are bent, forming something of a spoon, and now the stool goes from hard to medium soft, the texture of warm clay, like after you've rolled it around in your fist a while. I'll stop there. I'm going to um, vomit all over you. Yeah. Um, that's, so, you know, most things in this book, or at least I assume most things in this book, a lot of them are real things that happen, so I do believe that this is an actual procedure that occurs. This story wasn't... Some of these stories are kind of like, um, like we reviewed Jeremy Robert Johnson. Like, there's a parasite causing really terrible things to happen to you, and then some of them are just like regular stuff that can happen to you from using certain drugs, or in this case, it's a series of of hospital patients with different problems and how you solve them, or how they came to have that problem. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Again, it was a little educational in some ways, and I kind of liked how it was mixed in with just um, learning um, the job kind of mixed in with some really nasty things that can that a doctor might have to deal with through the course of his uh his career um one thing i want to point out about this story that i thought was kind of interesting because i was um toward the back of the book there's a a list of uh, acknowledgments of where stories had appeared previous to this collection did you look at this livius um i did but i don't remember what you're talking about all right so i I know what you're talking about but i don't remember specifically where the story was so each story has just like a list of, you know, where, it, if it's appeared in one place or maybe multiple mm-hmm. places. Diary of a Scut Monkey actually has, um, like, its title doesn't have where it was published next to it, but like sub um, sections of the story have appeared in a plenty of different places. So there's um, three, four, five, six different sections of this bigger story have appeared in, play, like, disimpaction. In Beto Pulp, insertion from Dog's Plot and Flash Fiction Offensive. So, like, six different parts of the story appeared in different places. And then it was all kind of, I'm assuming, either it existed as a bigger story that was then kind of parceled out and published. Mm-hmm. Or it was published as individual stories that were in, then kind of collected together into one larger kind of thematic piece. So oh, That is kind of interesting. But, yeah, I could definitely see how some of these would be standalone. Yeah, because some of them are quite large. Some of them are pages long. Yep. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because I was looking through. I knew that some of them were previously published, but I wanted to see if any of them were exclusive to this collection. And then mm-hmm. I saw that, and I was so confused. I'm like, those aren't all stories. Where did... Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Little, what do you got next? The more you know. All right. The next one I want to talk about is a story called The Wood. So in the wood, it's a little bit of a departure from 
um, your grotesque kind of um, hospital nastiness. And it's actually more straight up noir. It still involves a doctor. And the, the setup for this story is there's a doctor who has... His house has several acres of, of trees on it. And there's a bug that's infesting his trees and they're all dying. So he has to have someone come out and spray like a whatever kind of pesticide to get rid of the bugs that are killing his trees. And um, the person that comes out to do it is kind of a slacker and he does a half-assed job and he definitely has like a disdain for wealthy people and um yeah they just don't really hit it off the doctor he thinks the doctor's being you know overbearing asshole the doctor thinks he's being a lazy punk or whatever so he does a half-ass job and leaves and the doctor's kind of in this quandary of like do i report him is he going to retaliate against me all this kind of stuff um decides to report the guy and then kind of shit goes crazy from there um, not very much medical uh, action in this book. It's more just straight up like a crime fiction piece uh, with some kind of a medical knowledge twist to the end of it. But the thing I dug about it was, yeah, it's just more of an example of a straight up crime story. Um, and in a, in a collection that is so um, filled with a lot of the more grotesque bodily functions and body whatever type of stories for shock like that that's the the source of a lot of the shock value it's nice to see that like the dude can write up a can write a straight up you know crime story and and it's just as good as anything else i agree i think he he um he did a really good job of showing both the you know the like rich you know asshole in the story and then like the like not rich slacker i think that their opinions towards one another were probably pretty well put on paper Right. I think, you know, like it seemed like a very genuine, like you hear people say things like the characters were thinking mm-hmm. for sure in that story. I'm going to go the other direction uh, and quite possibly uh, the weirdest story, maybe the second weirdest. I don't know. The title story, The Little Boy Inside. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say about this. This is what my, so I, I, I take notes while I'm doing this. Can I remember what stories are, are what? And my note for this one just says, a man pukes up a pen cap sized boy. Um, weird ass story <laughs> um yeah guy wakes up one morning and he's kind of coughing whatever and he, he throws up and it is a, a boy that's just you know whatever inch and a half tall two inches tall fully formed can talk uh you know and it just kind of goes from there i don't want to you know give away any of the story but how do you how like how does someone come up with that idea <laughs> what, what you know the rest of them like we get right like he's a doctor so he's dealt with people with constipation and he's dealt with people probably who have used um you know uh, uh, drugs like steroids there's a lot of bodybuilders using drugs you know so he's probably seen a lot of this probably never seen a guy puke up a little boy <laughs> so yeah very strange and almost when i was reading that i was like this almost seems like a like a bizarro novel yeah you know so i was looking forward to seeing where it was heading and like i said i kind of gave it you know the body horror moniker but Definitely starting off with that one, I had that that total weird, bizarro feel to it. I'll give you that. And there's, I mean, that's not the only example. There's a few other stories that have just like such an out there fantastical element to an otherwise common story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The final story that I want to talk about, my third, is called A Blind Eye. And I believe it's the story that ends out the collection, right? Yep. Um, Essentially, this story is from the perspective of a doctor who's got a. uh, a patient who comes in with her child who's having eye trouble. And um, 
there's really almost no way to not give away kind of what happens in the story, but um, based on his discussions with the mother and his observations of the child, he has concerns that the child might not be getting treated properly by their parents, um, which causes him to reflect on other experiences he's had that are similar and the anguish it can cause. Um, so it's really just like a morality perspective about about the obligation a doctor has for the safety of his patients. And it's really, really interesting. And it's really touching. There's just a quote at the end of the story that I'm going to read, even though it's... I don't think it, it spoils actually what happens in the story. It's just so powerful. And you can tell that this is something that really matters to Mr. Gray. So I'm just going to read, I think, the last paragraph. I decide never to let gut feelings go unchecked. I wouldn't let someone I had a strange feeling about just walk away without at least discussing it with a colleague or some other third party, without probing deeper. From this moment on, I'm going to err on the side of Ultra Protector. Molly and the many more like her need to see the world for what it is, a place of right and wrong, damage and repair, inseparable as two crossed fingers, two serpents intertwined. Very nice. Dude, that's heavy stuff. Even though there are a couple stories in this collection that I could see, like, reading about in the newspaper, I think that one struck me as most... Accessible or, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, like, most likely to open the, you know, Chicago Sun-Times tomorrow and see that on, like, you know, page three. Yeah. You know, or to see that on the news. Even though there are a couple other, other stories that are, you know, normal enough, you know, to, to kind of to, to read, you know, that you could see that that one struck me as the most likely to have occur or to occur at some point in the future. And it's the most tragic by far. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, great story. <laughs> I think it was a very good choice to end out the, co- the collection because it was just such a, I mean, it has the whole collection has ups and downs as far as like something's funny, something's really gross. Something's just kind of weird. And this was just like a very powerful, um, kind of morality piece and the, and, and the whole collection out on. Yep. I agree. My final story is disintegration. Um, did you notice the naming conventions in this in this book? I was going to say, isn't that a Richard Thomas novel? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that 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 Glenn had to name this the little boy inside, so nobody thought it was a Richard Thomas book when they just saw it. <laughs> a lot of one word, um, a lot of one word titles. A few of them I had to actually look up to see what what they meant. Um, but disintegration, I knew what that one meant. This one's really early on. It's the third story in the collection, and. Uh, it's a guy out at a cabin. He's he's up there for a vacation. Wife's not coming up till the next day or, or whatever it is. And um, his hand um, starts to turn black and eventually falls off into powder. Um, and he's he's kind of, you know, he's able to get to like a local, I must say a hospital, kinda like a doctor's office, and uh, and get some information that, that kind of scares him. And, and, you know, and he kind of goes back to his cabin and, and it goes on from there. I have to tell you, though. And, you know, we talked about um, previously many times where you've called me, you know, just kind of desensitized to horror. Because, <laughs> you know, I read these things and I go, this doesn't really scare me. The weird thing about this story, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away a little bit here. <clears throat> Not so much that his limbs start to fall off and he's by himself. That didn't bother me any a whole <laughs> bunch. But there's a part in this story. And again, for anybody who's going to read this, I apologize if I'm spoiling the story for you. But he's uh, he's sitting in his car. He's made his way out to his car, and basically he's a head and a torso at this point. And he thinks, you know, his wife's going to show up any minute. And what she must think, 
when she sees him has just a head and a torso. And I couldn't help it, but in my mind, I pictured walking into that situation with people I know, not specific people, but like that and how horrifying that felt. Not to be the torso, actually, but to stumble across, <laughs> you know, stumble onto somebody that you know and love or care about or whatever and just have them be a torso with no arms and no legs. And I got to tell you, man, I couldn't stop thinking about that probably through the next two or three stories I read. Livius is just worried that he's going to find out that I'm just a torso and that he has to edit the podcast. Yes, that's that's one of the things that occurred to me. <laughs> the most horrifying one no. was that. But yeah, so that that story was, uh, yeah, that one that one really got me for some reason. It had no 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 feces in it. So <laughs> they didn't even do a stool sample. No, they drew blood. Yeah. Yep. Uh. So. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our, that's our standout stories. Um, obviously there are other great stories in here that are, that are definitely worth, um, definitely worth reading your time. Um, we didn't talk about it all, um, but Venice beach birthday boogie was in noir at the bar two, um, that we had read last year sometime. So there was that, um, there's cannulation, which is, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that story. There's, there's a story about drug dealers who try to retrieve drugs from an autopsy. Um, that one's really interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's also several stories that focus on the, the, um, bodybuilding and like steroid taking scene. Mm-hmm. There's actually several of them. And it, and I don't think, I don't think us not talking about them means that we don't think they're standout stories, but, um, you know, just, we just didn't happen to choose them, but there's three or four stories that are just based on bodybuilders who, uh, who are juicing and um, just like the weird, almost addictive mentality that they have and the, the stuff that they'll do to have perfectly sculpted bodies and stuff. It's uh, it's kind of weird that we didn't pick any of those, isn't it? Kind of strange. I think it's because you and I are so out of shape. <laughs> the thought of even talking about people who care about their bodies is... I say I'm in denial because I look in the mirror and I'm like, hmm, I'm almost there. Yeah, I'm close. <laughs> Getting close. close. They have um, big arms. They're just not muscular. Yeah, exactly. Close enough, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> do you have any any other quotes? From, I do from, have uh, one other quote okay. that I want to talk about. So I'm just going to rock through this really quickly. Yep. You can hear this is actually a paper book this time. So this is from Expulsion, the poop story that I led with, and um, <laughs> this is I just. The, the quote's good, the writing's good for it, but then I'm going to talk about why I really like it. His mind raced. Flush it, flush it, flush it. Steve glanced at the thing, hoped it couldn't jump, spring forth, and latch onto the meaty flesh of his arm. He avoided eye contact for fear it might sense a challenge. He eyed the toilet handle, then the thing, then the handle, the thing. So, he's going, <laughs> he just, sh- shit, let's, he shit it out just now heard it splashing got up turned around and now he's got to like contend with it right mm-hmm. um the quote itself is just well written the thing i really like about that is he goes from thinking that something that just came out of him is waste within the span of seconds to the point where he's like trying to assess its like personality yep. <laughs> it's just such a huge like switch um uh, and, and then, like, the way that the mind can just adapt to the most ridiculous situations um, to help try and help us get out of them. It's just, 
it was well captured in the way that he wrote that. That was such a disturbing story. <laughs> That's not even the weirdest part of it, too. That's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only had one other quote, because I, I, I'd read the one from, from Scut Monkey, Diary of a Scut Monkey, that I liked, and uh, I looked at a couple of these, and one of them was about the torso. I kind of already talked about that, so there's not a whole lot to be had there, and two of them are too spoilery. But this, this is from Headless in New York, <laughs> and this is a story. I, I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. Fred thought it was funny the first time his head fell off. He carried it around under his arm for a while like a basketball and giggled, and all he could think of was the guy from that movie, The Reanimator. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, some of them were just so <laughs> goddamn weird. Yeah. Um, but but all together, they all, they are all told, they all fit together pretty well, right? Like, I didn't feel like there was too much jumping around or and even though we have several genres yeah they theme um, up pretty nicely yeah headless in new york isn't body horror to the point where like you hear the guy the guy's like totally not disturbed by his head being off he actually <laughs> likes it you know and then like does things with his head you know i mean so yeah it was uh altogether probably one of the oddest collections i've read <laughs> overall did you um, notice but, and this is this was something that I noticed in, in multiple stories, and I was wondering if it was just um, this is how doctors think that non-doctors act. But it seemed like in a lot of the stories, people were surprisingly hesitant to seek medical attention. I did. I did think of that, um, and. I don't know. I think in some ways, I, 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 so I'm really bad about going to the doctor for anything. So I think I kind of related to that a little bit. Now, had any of these things happened to me, I don't know that, you know, something as serious as most of these characters have gone through. I think I'd probably just pick up the phone and call 911. Right. But, you know, I, I can understand where that kind of comes from. Because, yeah, I've got to be like, like dying, like literally feel like I'm dying to, to pick up the phone and go to the doctor. So I could kind of get where like, yeah, there's something a little wrong with me. It's a little weird. Let's see where, what happens. Yeah. I, I think yeah, it was limb falls off. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally. And, uh, <laughs> I think it was intentional. I think it was, um, I have to imagine that's a common frustration among physicians is that people's lives would be easier if they, uh, you know, sought medical attention when they needed it instead of like mm-hmm. when it was do or die. When there was a horrible stench coming from an orifice. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Why did you remind me? <laughs> oh, God. Is that um, from Scott I will Monkey? say this. Yes, it is. Oh. I will say this. That if I ever <laughs> if I ever give birth to some kind of crap monster, yeah. um, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm putting it in a box and shipping it to you. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. My first thought was, like, it's going on YouTube. <laughs> or, th- or that, I guess that would be... Oh, YouTube. I wonder when YouTube is actually going to change fiction. Because you know what? 90% of things that now happen in books would be on YouTube. That would be the first thing people would do is like put it on Facebook. That's true. So. Oh, we should probably do a wrap-up before we move on. Yeah, let's do that. I almost forgot. Um, would you like for me to go first? Um, yeah. This book was horrifying in that it brought really terrible imagery to mind throughout um, we discussed several reasons why it was. I'm so glad this is the one time that I actually didn't read at all during lunch. I just I haven't had much time to read during lunch, so this was like one morning and like on my day off from work, I just kind of barreled through it. So 
Because I got to tell you, man, this is a stomach turner. So definitely not for for the uh, the easily um, distressed. Um, but a lot of interesting stuff in this book. And and one thing that we didn't, I mean, Rob mentioned a little bit. It's very well written. So it's not just that there's some shock factor to a lot of these stories. Um, it's well written. And a lot of the shock factor are is they're legitimate things that happen to people. They might be the extreme cases. I kind of mentioned earlier, said something about Grey's Anatomy. I actually watch Grey's Anatomy, and there are episodes that are like that. Like, you know, you get the extreme case, and you get to find out what caused it and what people's reactions and stuff are. Well, we got that here in this book um, from Glenn Gray, but with a with a nastier feel to it, if that's the, 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 the right way. Like, we totally could have told some of these stories and not been as um, abrasive with them. Uh, but I think that's what actually made it kind of a standout collection. Other than that, it, it probably would have been um, Grey's Anatomy and not uh, and, and not the book that it was. So, uh, enjoy is such a strong word, and it's not the right word. I always really enjoyed this book because I spent a lot of time kind of cringing as I was reading it. Um, but it's definitely a, a worthwhile read, so I'm going to give it uh, four stars. It's gross. I think that, like, um, the thing that I, I think that stands out about this book over anything is that it, it hits so many different things kind of well. It's gross. It's kind of weird and bizarre. Um, I have to imagine it's just kind of weirdly medically accurate. But then it's got those kind of, um, like, the moment from blind eye at the end the quote that i read from uh very impactful kind of moral moments and just like kind of an overall message of um you know what it means to be a doctor that whole diary of a scott monkey story um is just it's almost like horror stories from going through internship the internship phase of being a doctor um and and i'm thinking the whole time like why the hell would anybody choose to do this there's like so many easier ways to to live your life uh so i mean that kind of speaks to the passion that it must take to be a doctor um there's a lot of messed up stuff that people deal with on a daily basis this is just like um a combination of like what those real horror stories might be and what your mind might wander to when your imagination kind of goes crazy as a doctor um overall Really well-written stories, very engaging and interesting, and sometimes very stomach-turning. But um, I liked, I liked his style a lot. Like Livius, um, it's definitely a good read. My thought is, I wonder what a full-length novel from Glenn Gray is going to sound like. So that's going to be. I know in his bio, it did mention he's working on a novel, so I'd be interested to see what that looks like. But overall, for this collection and for my first impression of this author, I think it's very strong. I'm going to go four stars. So about the, the novel, I'm going with bodybuilding doctor um, fights all of the body horrors ever. <laughs> like a juiced up super doctor against like mm-hmm. all the poop monsters of the world. Well, yeah, but it'd be like, like, um, you know, like one of the villains would be like herpes and um what's 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 the one where your limbs fall off the uh the like your skin gets all nasty and the, the like biblical one oh being like a, a leper leprosy yeah like yeah like leprosy like a colony of lepers versus super doctor lepers and no. herpes no. 
I hope I, I hope he's listening and taking notes because I'm giving him some great <laughs> some great stuff here. Giving you pearls here, Glenn. Yeah. So uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Uh, I don't know if I could do a full novel, man. <laughs> this was this was a lot. <laughs> so and then uh, I punched the fifteenth person with herpes. Oh, there you go. See? Yeah. Well, if he doesn't do it, we should totally co-author this. It's all his hospital is all, especially in radiology where he works. It's all herpes and lepers. Yeah, that's what radiologists do, right? Sure. No. Sure. All right. All right. Hey, um, so done with one book. Um, we've got another book to talk about this week. We do. Um, this is horror. We've talked about before. They gave us an award, and um, oh. By the way, nomination process for the two. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fucking moment. I don't waste. Uh, nominations are open at least uh, probably the next day or so that after this mm-hmm. goes up um, for the This Is Horror Awards for 2013. I'm thinking if anybody thought it might be a good idea, Booked could definitely be best you know podcast of the year. And also, we did come out with an anthology, so keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm not sure on the anthology. I don't know if there's enough horror in there, really, for the, the horror awards. Um, but I will say this. If enough people nominate us, maybe there doesn't even have to be voting. <laughs> what if we just sweep a category like there's no contenders? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, some other people will be nominated, I'm sure. There were people last year that were nominated, remember? Remember? And remember what happened to those people? We beat them? Yeah, pretty much. Physically, in some cases. I did see, I don't want to get too off on a tangent, but Lawrence Santoro from Tales of Terrify mm-hmm. was campaigning for his nominations, and it was uh, for Best Podcast and for an anthology. I don't think it was his anthology, but an anthology he was supporting. So we're squaring off against Lawrence again in both categories, if things go the way I want them to. Yeah, Here's the whole thing with Lawrence. I, I encourage people to nominate his podcast. As long as he stays in second place. That's right. <laughs> yeah. okay. Nominate him all you want. <laughs> I love I love Lawrence. I listen to his podcast. Uh, I just want this podcast to be number one. That's all I'm saying. That's right. But um, completely unrelated to that, because there won't be results for that until like January or whatever. Um, Soon. Uh, yeah. Michael Wilson loves us, and he sends us chapbooks to read. And chapbooks are actually pretty cool. Now, they're, uh, do we know what the definition of chapbook is? Wait, if only there was a way. Would you just heavily sigh at me? What's the definition of chapbook? Okay, I found this on the web. You hate me right now, don't you? Oh, I thought she'd read it. I was like, that's perfect. No, I'm going to it. Series of guest hosts. All right. Here he is, a guest host. A chapbook is a pocket-sized booklet. The term chapbook was formalized by bibliophiles in the 19th century as a variety of ephemera, popular for or folk literature. Modern chapbooks. Siri's not going to read us the answer? I could. I could have Siri read it. Chapbook is also a term currently used to denote publications of up to 40 pages, usually poetry bound in with some form of saddle stitch, though... Many are perfect bound folder to wrap. These publications range from low-cost productions to finely produced handmade editions that may sell blah, blah, blah. So it's a short It's a short piece. It's like 30, 40 to 50 pages, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's what a chapbook is. <laughs> um, I've never actually seen a chapbook because I get them digitally. So um, it, it looks just like the other stuff, um, electronic format. But 
um, this week we uh, we read, um, and this is I think this might be out right about now. Um, it was originally listed for a publication date of October twenty sixth. I know that that uh, that uh, was running a little behind on that, but Chalk by Pat Cadigan is the latest. I believe this is the fifth chapbook from uh, from the gentleman at This Is Horror, um, and this one's a uh, this one's really interesting. So I'm going to read you the synopsis if you don't mind, Rob. Go for it. Can you find seven dogs in this picture of a castle? How about two little girls in a relatively small neighborhood? And a neighborhood, of course, is spelled wrong because they're from England. <laughs> is there a U, an extra U in there? <clears throat> yeah, there's just extra vowels everywhere. Yeah. Dee and Mary discover a way to hide in plain sight so that Dee doesn't always have to go home and babysit or do household chores for her mother. For a while, it's great fun to sit apart from the rest of the world and watch them unawares, but it's not exactly normal. It hadn't occurred to Dee and Mary that what they were doing would have consequences. Yeah. So, um, I probably have a little something on Pat Cadigan, too. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Pat Cadigan is an American-born science fiction author whose work is described as part of the cyberpunk movement. Her novels and short stories all share a common theme of exploring the relationship between the human mind and technology. All of them except for this one. This one deals with the technology of chalk. Yeah, and there's probably some technology behind chalk, right? I mean, it's like just dust just that's disappears. collected into a solid <laughs> form. All right. So, um, at any rate, um, the synopsis is, is is fairly succinct. There's these two girls. They're kind of... Uh, besties. Uh, yeah, they're besties kind of from opposite sides of the track, so to speak. Um, one has a really big family. The other one lives with single mom. Um, and yeah, they, here's what happens. They figure out that if they use chalk in a certain way, it, it hides them from everybody else. So it's kind of like this youth adventure, you know, lion, the witch in the wardrobe kind of feel to it is, is how I felt about it. And then of course, you know, this is fairly short, so we can't go too far on it. But of course, as in all good horror stories, something really, really cool turns into something, um, really gone wrong. Yeah, dude. It's really weird. <clears throat> I really dug the story. I like the fact that the author really draws out the what's going to happen, what's going to go wrong. Because you know it's coming from this is horror, so it's going to be horror themed. Um, you know that there's going to be that moment where you're like, oh, this is where everything gets fucked up. But it takes so long to get to that point that it's just like, you're like, when's it going to hit? When's it going to hit? And finally when it hits, you're like, oh, damn yeah, I, I really got chills um, reading this because I was totally sucked in. The little kid in me, the one that loves the Wizard of Oz and stuff like that, was like, this is so cool. They have this chalk and no one can see them. You know, like I really, really bought into that. Um, almost forgetting. Like it's like I knew it was going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I almost thought like, no, this can be like a cool story about these two girls that have this kind of like magical ability, you know. And, and yeah, no. Fuck that! Right, that's that didn't, that's not that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that was totally sucked in, and it just wham kind of hits you, you know, towards the end of the story. Um, just how how horrific and, and and honestly, for a lot of the shorter horror type stuff we've read, probably one of the best endings. Definitely um, that I've read. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not something that there's like that sustained horror feel throughout. It's just it's got this like punch at the end, and it's just so well delivered. And, um, so, I mean, it's something that it's tied to a feeling that any one of us 
may very well have felt to a much lesser degree at some point in our life. So it hits you somewhere personal almost as well, which is really cool. Yeah, so um, definitely another five-star release from from This Is Horror. I I really enjoyed this. Now, I did find online, and I can't find it right now. I was doing this from from my phone. I did a little bit of research, and um, Pat Cadigan had done uh, an interview somewhere and kind of talked about things she's got coming up. And this is... um, the story is kind of like part of a bigger thing, not necessarily the story, but part of a bigger like world she's kind of written was the impression I got. Yeah, oh, nice. So, yeah, so there's some cool things. This uh, is based on her hometown, you know, the way she remembers it, you know, not the way it is now, but, it, you know, and even the book had a kind of the older, older timey feel. It's a lady beating out her rug, you know, something you don't <laughs> see very often anymore, at least not in the U.S. But, um, yeah, so I think there's going to be some more of that. But yeah, she's this is definitely not cyberpunk or sci-fi. This was this was a straight up like you know kid fantasy slash horror and uh, and done very very well. Yeah, it's like Americana meets like a really creepy ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. Good Talk. stuff again from this is horror. We yeah. we talked about Roadkill before. That was really good. This is mm-hmm. definitely. I th- I think I like it as much if not better. Um, it was very different. So that like Roadkill had that intensity kind of throughout, mm-hmm. which was really really interesting. Um, definitely, I'd say this is more my speed. You know, but yeah. yeah. Oh, and we read the Fox as well. That Conrad mm-hmm. Williams, I think his name was. Yeah. So uh, we're we're uh, three of the five five chapbooks we've read. Ah, man, you know what? I, and here's the thing. Sometimes I forget what's told to me in confidence of what things I've actually read and seen online. So I was going to talk a little, just just a hair about the next chapbook, and I don't think I can. Oh, I know what you're talking about, too. If this is, yeah, I don't remember if this is public knowledge or not. So I feel like maybe the cover got put out at some point, but let's err on the side of caution and just make everybody feel like, what is it? Yeah, let's let's do that. But I, I definitely think that that we'll be reading another. This is horror chapbook. That's that's how I feel about this right now. So, <laughs> just saying. That's right. So, uh, all right. Enough about uh, enough about books. Silly pesky books. Um, got some other things to talk about, right? Yeah, we're uh, we're feeling the love lately. People want us. We are. Here's the thing. We probably have a, an interesting niche here. And, and I think about all the articles I see that get shared on Facebook. And Chuck Wendig writes a bunch of great how-tos and, and what not to do as a writer and stuff. What I don't really see is anyone addressing. Like, like we're outside that circle. Like, we're part of it, but we're kind of outside of it. Okay, so we're not writers. Um, you know, we have a book out, but we're not real promoters. You know, and we, 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 we're reviewers. And fairly exclusive to reviewing. Because that's the bulk of what we do. Mm-hmm. So we have this kind of interesting perspective because we get approached by a lot of writers. A lot of the things we've reviewed on the show has been a writer, you know, approaching us, hitting us up on Facebook or talking to us in person about their book at an event or over coffee or, or a beer or something somewhere. But we also get quite a few um, submissions through a contact form, which I was <laughs> going to ask Rob to take down because the vast majority of what comes through there is just nightmarishly bad. Um <laughs> But it now has served two different purposes. There's an entertainment value to it. And uh, we can help you as a writer or promoter of your work on how not to approach people um, for reviews. Like tips and tricks on how to get your book reviewed on a, on a podcast. 
That's right. Now, if you'll remember back, before we get too far into this, remember uh, Name Redacted? There was Name Redacted, um, who used the contact form, who couldn't figure out who Livius is after he was on our website. Um, I didn't do a search, but I can only imagine my <laughs> name must come up about 8,000 times on the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's Name Redacted. Um, but as a nice contrast to Name Redacted, um, we actually um, have a submission from uh, Midwest Gothic. Um, Rob, would you like to, to go into this a little bit? Absolutely. I was actually really excited once I got done reading this email that, that we got from the contact form. So I'm just going to go through and read. Um, uh, like This message is just awesome. This is like literally everything that I hope and wish people would send to us. This is from Jeff Fowler from Midwest Gothic. Dear Mr. Olson, my name is Jeff Fowler, a co-founder of MG Press, an extension of literary journal Midwestern Gothic. Our mission is devoted to shining a spotlight on the Midwest and the talented writers who live and pass through there. Our first title, This Jealous Earth, by Scott Dominic Carpenter, was well-received and Publishers Weekly calling it engaging, charmingly nostalgic, and A.K. Mayhew of The Rumpus calling it incredibly moving, Carpenter's writing is clear and delightful. We just announced our new title, the novel Above All Men by Eric Schonkweiler, coming March of 2014. The book has already received glowing advanced praise from acclaimed authors and editors like Tom Lutz, editor-in-chief of the Los Angeles Review. Sounds kind of big, right? That's in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Review of Books, sorry. Susan Strait, uh, National Book Award finalist, and Frank Bill, author of Donnybrook and Crimes and Sunday in Indiana. Hey, I know that guy. Hey, I know that guy. Um, we would be delighted if you'd consider featuring Eric or the book on the podcast he's a well-spoken down-to-earth fellow who would make for a lively discussion about any topic that would resonate with your readers that's alright sounding very you know promising right yep this is how it gets better (laughs) here's a link to the book page if you want a little more info about the book he gave us information about whether to look up whether we want to read about it Mm-hmm. Additionally, for your convenience, please find below links to our press kit, which includes information and high-resolution artwork about the book, the author, and MG Press. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Link. Link to information and high-resolution images. As the person that does the posts, high-resolution images are such a huge thing. See, I was like, I don't know what this high-resolution thing is. It, that's not the end, though. All right. Mm-hmm. If you are interested, we'd be happy to send over an advanced review copy. Ready for this? <laughs> I'm going to put some fanfare behind this or something if, I, if I'm feeling up to it. In the format of your choice. Boom. My arms, you can't see it right now, but my arms are raised in the air like I'm looking at God himself, who I don't believe in. Yep. Um, now, but that's still not the end. We are all big fans of the booked, of the booked, all right, there's a little typo there. And it would truly be an honor to discuss this further with you. Looking forward to hearing back, Jeff. That's yeah, the dream email is, right there. Yeah, this is good stuff. It, it hit all of the points. Um, I would imagine if it's something that was reviewed by Frank Bill, it probably fits with, with what we're doing. It is uh, apparently, I'm assuming, and of course I didn't follow the link about the book, um, but it's uh, uh, probably a fiction book. <laughs> No gay cowboys in this one. Um, I remember that now. 
yeah <laughs> i mean you know here's the thing this 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 fits with what we do now it comes up it comes out in march but i gotta tell you we're gonna remember this down the line we don't do reviews that far in advance as a matter of fact we got called out by a listener for reviewing a book that wasn't available just last week um, so you know but maybe a week or two before it comes out this might definitely be something we we, we consider but I will tell you that, that that is the reason. This was a very well put together um, uh, query letter, I guess. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Because um, we've gotten um, gay cowboy erotica. Um, do you remember the guy? Like, I'm 97 and I wrote this book about fishing. I remember the fishing memoirs guy. Memoirs on fishing. Like, the, these are yeah. people who didn't even bother. Like, if you scroll through. So, like Rob said earlier, trying to explain books we review to people. If you scroll through just the last three or four episodes, you could probably figure out that we're not interested in uh, Name Redacted's book on religion. Probably not. In, uh, in gay uh, cowboy erotica. Um, in uh, Fishing uh, memoirs old, from the elderly. Fishing, fishing memoirs from the elderly, but we could put them in touch with Cameron Pierce. Because Cameron <laughs> Pierce loves that fishing Cameron stuff. Pierce is a big fishing enthusiast. Yeah. Um, Here's the other thing about this letter from uh, the dude from Midwestern Gothic. Even if, like, the dude was just... Even if, like, it was total bullshit that he liked the podcast, Mm -hmm. it's... I mean, like, come on. It's a great touch to just be like, look, we enjoy your podcast. Not like, Mm -hmm. hello, this is my thing. Please do something for me. Yep. On the flip side, within days of that, we received this email. This is the message. We would like to submit our book for review and also request an interview. So they want to interview us. That's pretty cool, right? We will provide you with a free download code for our book on iBooks upon your response to this message. Um, Only 50% of this podcast um, is eligible to use iBooks. You can find out more about the book at Amazon.com, iTunes Bookstore, Barnes & Noble, our website, wiseupbook.com, and at WiseUpBook on Facebook. Thank you for consideration. We look forward to hearing from you. There's nothing personal about here. They apparently did not spend the the requisite three minutes on the website to figure out that wise up book might not be for us here's a little bit about the wise up book um, i clicked on the link i went to a web page it's got to be from 1993 am i right rob am i hitting the time frame right <laughs> it's so it's so bad yeah um and it's uh, so you know they've got links in big squares and different colors um for for different places you can buy this um there's a comment section, but across the top. So first thing I do, I go, whoa, this is really bright and colorful. Um, but I go to the <laughs> book because that's what I want to see, right? And there's no description of the book. There is a table of contents. And if you float over chapter titles, uh, you can read um, kind of excerpts, little one-sentence excerpts from from the different ones. So here's what we have. So the disclaimer uh, is uh, this discla- the disclaimer was written strictly for those people who can't handle the truth or take a joke? You know, pansies and crybabies. Uh, a little bit of introduction. That's kind of boring. But I'm scrolling through, and here are some of the chapters: Idiot World Manifesto, Public Spaces, Public Restrooms, Tobacco Habits, Social. De- oh wait, Tobacco Habits. <laughs> oh, this is of interest. This is something of interest to me. I think this is nonfiction, though. So let's see what it says. Wait before. Do you think it's going to be good stuff? Um, I, I, Rob, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, maybe it is good stuff, and maybe maybe I can find a reason. Right? <laughs> These are my brothers. I can feel it. Yeah. 
here two quotes from the tobacco habits section of the book. Just because no one walks up to you and tells you that you stink doesn't mean that you don't. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right, there's that. Um, how can I not read the second one after that? That totally has drawn me in to this book. If you chew, which I don't chew. I've tried chewing and I wound up vomiting twice. I can't chew and apparently not swallow and then it's just bad. But if you chew, you are the lowest ranking tobacco consumer in a ranking system that peaks out at imbecile. Motherfucker. Your book has already gotten more mention on this show than it should have. Um, that's coming from an imbecile, and I won't even review your book. So uh, to the gentleman that wrote this, whose names are uh, Walt and Tom Foolery, not their real names, um, thanks for your interest in being reviewed on Book Podcast. Um, but we will not be reviewing your book, and quite honestly, we don't think any of our listeners should read it. Yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> not your brothers. Turns out, totally not my brothers. <laughs> and um, you guys should contact Rob because for some money, Rob can get you a little better uh, layout for your website too. Dude, yeah, I mean, like this this website was made pre Flash. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, just. Uh, I will say we've received several others in the last, like, day or two, even. Um, kind of on the fence. Like, there's another one um, where at a couple times in the in the email they say they love the podcast, which is great. Because you're making a personal connection. Again, even if it's just ass-kissing or bullshit. Like, acknowledge the fact that we put effort into doing something that goes so far mm-hmm. for me. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that the, we received one just hours before um, hours before the the, the show. Um, this approach and, uh, can't hurt. Yeah, I'm only gonna read. I, I'll be honest. I, I went and I looked at this book, um, and I, I just don't know that it's for us. It seems like it might be a little chicky. Um, we don't do well with chicky. <laughs> so, um, but it, it said, "Review my book, pretty please, with pumpkin pie." That was the subject line, and I was like, this is so much better than the fucking non-smoking assholes that sent us an email, <laughs> like, two days ago. Like, I already want to read this book more. Um, we also received one, which I kind of had mixed feelings about. So, if we're going to talk about it, um, this this gentleman said they love the podcast. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a Millennium nonfiction book about the, about the, the show Millennium. It includes, you know, crew interviews and cast essays and stuff. Um, I thought it was a little weird because it's not our thing, but I thought, you know, we reviewed a Fringe book. And Fringe fans are probably X-Files fans, and X-Files fans, some of them are Millennium fans, so it, it's kind of, it makes a little bit of sense. Did you ever watch Millennium? I have not. No, I didn't either. So yeah, there's nothing there for us. But yeah, so I love the podcast. It's kind of <laughs> interesting. So, I mean, yeah, yeah that's, it's just nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, guys, get it together. If you're gonna if you're gonna ask somebody to review your book, kind of have an idea of what kind of things they they you know uh, they're into. It, it goes a long way. So. I mean, it, the formula is not difficult. Here's what I need in order to make an informed decision about whether I want to read a book for the podcast or not. Um, I need some sort of like some level of camaraderie or acknowledgement that we that is an effort that we're making need information about the book. I need source material to understand what it is. Uh, and then there's details, like when it's coming out, how it's available. Um, either provide like a press kit 
or provide um, provide or offer advanced copies of the book. If you just say, hey, I made a book, I'd like for you to review it, that's, that's nothing. It's ridiculous that you would even send that to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can I tell you the other way that's likely to get your, your book reviewed? Is it picture, Call it- <laughs> pictures of boobs? You know what? Oddly. <laughs> that was totally not, not planned. No, it was just on Facebook. I clicked the link. I was like, uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's boobs. But um, call it Adolf in Wonderland and have a picture of a half-naked woman with, like, little, like, a like, like tape over her breasts and, like, a swastika on the background. So even if you don't do any of those other things, write a book called Adolf in Wonderland, and that might get you reviewed on Booked. I knew it was boobs. It's a reissue, but seriously, dude, it's from Carlton Mellick. I love that, Carlton Mellick. We do. But Carlton Mellick will not be next on the show. Next on the show will be... Live readings. Live readings, that's right. In less than a week, we will be in Indianapolis, Indiana, for what's sounding like a well-attended, based on at least the numbers that they're getting so far of who's RSVP'd, event. Let's see if I can ramble off the names from the top of my head. CJ Edwards is going to be the host. Jed Ayers, Scott Phillips, Dan O'Shea, David James Keaton, Les Edgerton. Am I missing anybody? There's that guy we don't know. The guy we don't know, James Ward Kirk. That's his name. (laughs) That's him, yeah. And that's all I know about. Yeah, and that should be good enough, shouldn't it? Yeah, and we're recording it. Everybody else there, doesn't matter. We'll be there. So We will be there. We'll be recording it. We'll be bringing to you as our next episodes. Uh, Likely it'll be two or three episodes. Um, And then after that, we are in the process of tackling S. Now, with a title that short, you'd think this would be no problem. Holy crap. <laughs> Livius, you started reading it today. I want to hear what your thoughts are so far. Um, so far, it's interesting. I'm taking a different approach than, than Rob is. Rob is trying to read a page for page through the book. I was doing a little bit of poking around. I found a review on Amazon that recommended how to read it. So here's how complex this gets. I am So the book S is a... Uh, it's kind of like, like, like House of Leaves. So what you're looking at is a book that looks like it was made in the 1950s. Um, that has a, a full novel. But then the other portion that you're reading is notes that two different readers made um, in kind of communicating to one another um, through the course of the book. So the approach that I'm taking is I am reading one chapter at a time of the actual book. Then I'm going back through and reading some of the notes because they're color-coded and then moving on to the next chapter at the end of the chapter, going back to the beginning, reading the notes, moving on to the next chapter. When I'm done with the book, I have to go through it two more times with different notes. (laughs) That's how I'm reading this. Uh, Our review of that book may or may not be 2013. We may have to take like a six week hiatus for me to just get through this. So fingers crossed though, that two weeks will be enough for us to do it. Fingers crossed. Can we talk about one other thing? Yes, absolutely. Can we can we start building hype about Donnie booked? I think we can now that now that we have the official sign off. <laughs> um, I I kind of sheepishly sent a message to Frank Bill, um, basically asking him <laughs> not to hate us if we kind of ape on his book title, and um, he, he he's okay with it. So um, I, I don't know if I'd call it a blessing or endorsement as much as like. A, you know, 
I'm not going to sue you, (laughs) which is really all I was asking for. (laughs) So really, the endorsement, what really happened was Rob was like, hey, it's Rob. We were kind of thinking about doing this thing called Donnie Booked. And the first response is, who is this? (laughs) The second response is, whatever. And you're like, perfect. He said it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like approval to me. Um, So we're going to, it's going to be called Donnie Booked. And um, we're still shaping it out, but it's going to be an audience participation-based um, competition uh, using different categories of things that happened on the podcast throughout the year where the listeners will vote for the best of in several different categories. Once that's all tabulated, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Tabulated? Absolutely. Tabulated. Once that's all, just sounds so weird. Like I just flashback to the 50s or something. Once it's all kind of <laughs> tabulated... Um, there's going to be one final round, the final kind of brawl of the Donnie booked, where all of the winners from the different categories are going to face off in a best moment of booked for 2013. Um, and then there's going to be a winner, one winner for the overall competition. That winner will get, are you ready for this? The title of Donnie booked winner <laughs> for 2013. And when I say that winner, it's the moment in the show. If you're an author expecting that you're actually going to get something, nope, that's not going to happen. Nope. Nope. Not at all. But um, be looking for that soon. Um, Once I have some time. (laughs) S might really bring this down. Um, (laughs) Once I've got some time to throw some stuff together on the website or throw together something. um, We're already in process of making a voting system. And... um, Get ready to be spammed with survey monkey surveys. <laughs> Maybe survey. Livia showed my hand. It might be survey monkey. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Typically, we do a year in review episode where we just kind of I make a I make a bunch of tables and then Livia's makes fun of me and we talk about what we did for the last year. Mm-hmm. And this time, I we thought it would be just a lot more fun to uh, involve the listeners. So I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it's a great concept. And, and I just want to tell you, listeners, creative folk out there, this is what happens when you come up with a fun pun and then have to figure out some way to use it. Because <laughs> Rob had mentioned we were reading Donnybrook, and he was like, oh, Donnie booked. And we were like, oh, that's awesome. How do we make something and call it Donnybook? That's how that came, <laughs> came to fruition. <laughs> so. I think that's pretty much how everything happens on this podcast. It's like yeah. we have an idea. And that we don't realize that we don't have to follow through with it. Yeah. The hot seat. (laughs) Shut your mouth. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Keep reading.